The Health and Wealth of America is a series of conversations hosted by CDX, Techonomy, and Worth about challenges and opportunities facing our country. In this episode, Josh Campbell, CEO of Clarion Media, speaks with Jim Swanson of Johnson & Johnson, who is the EVP and Enterprise CIO. Jim Swanson is a visionary IT leader with 30 years of experience helping companies excel in the digital space through the adoption of cutting edge technologies and structure. They discuss how technology can help to advance health equity. Welcome. Jim Swanson is an EVP and Enterprise Chief Information Officer at Johnson & Johnson. Uh, Jim's really responsible for shaping J&J's strategic use of technology across their various business units, including consumer products, pharma, medical devices, everything that J&J does. Uh, prior to J&J, uh, Jim led uh, digital transformation at Bayer Crop Sciences and Monsanto, and I think it's your second time around at J&J. You were at J&J earlier in your career as well. So, Jim, thanks for, for joining us today. Hi, Josh. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Look forward to, uh, look forward to the discussion. Yeah, so I think last time we, we, we did this, last time I spoke to you, we were on the cusp of the emergency approval of the J&J vaccine. So obviously uh, that was an exciting time. I think all of us sort of are appreciative for all the work J&J has done. You know, we just heard from Dr. Topol, you know, that, that sort of any delays are, are unfortunate. Um, I did see, uh, I was on your press site today that, that Europe has reopened up uh, the use of the J&J vaccine um, and I know you can't say a lot. I know we're still under, you know, emergency approval. Uh, you know, anything you could share? I mean, it seems like the data obviously pointed to a, a couple cases. Everyone wants to be conscientious of that and, and pause. But it, it seems like, you know, again, I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we want to pause. We want to make the right decisions, but things should move forward. Anything you could you share? Uh, I would just say, as you've highlighted, we are aware of an extremely rare disorder involving people with blood clots in combination with low platelets and a small number of individuals who have received our vaccine. And as we've highlighted, the CDC and the FDA are reviewing that data. Um, and we've, we've administered over almost 7 million doses uh, with a very, very small number of cases. I think it's uh, less than, than nine or, or, or six to nine cases. Uh, but in an abundance of caution, we, we took a pause uh, per the recommendation of the CDC and FDA. We'll let them look at that data and then we will follow their guidance uh, as prescribed. And as, you, as you've highlighted, news is continuing to evolve even as recently as today. Uh, and we're, we're gonna continue to move forward based on that guidance. But um, we certainly feel very confident in, in, in the vaccine and, and the work that J&J has done uh, in partners with others uh, in, in a really good way. And then from a manufacturing standpoint, um, you know, all doses that have been distributed have met rigorous company and regulatory quality standards as you'd expect, and we will continue to do so for the, for the future. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously you're alluding to, there were, there was some earlier news. I think, look, there are quality control processes in place and, and when you hear about things, they, it means they're working, right? So, uh, you know, again, I think it's our responsibility to continue to get vaccinated and get in, as many people vaccinated as possible. Um, so uh, again, appreciate, you know, everything that, that you guys have done. And it seems like with the news coming out of Europe today, uh, hopefully we're not too far behind that. Um, so, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I think the, the last session obviously ended on AI and technology and the use of data. And I, I definitely want to get to that because I know that that's something that you're thinking about. Um, but, you know, when we look back at our conversations, the ones that you and I have had about, you know, the digital transformation and the speed 
at which companies are innovating. You know, as, as a technologist, as someone who's been in big companies, you know how typically slow companies are to move and adopt technology. But during the pandemic, I think we've seen this accelerated adoption, this willingness to move faster. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, J&J is a great example, I'm sure, throughout the organization, all the different business units I, I mentioned earlier, obviously not just the pharma side, but, you know, how have you seen as far as the culture adapting to the use of technology and that ability to sort of be more agile and move faster over the, you know, the past year? Yeah, I mean, it, it's been pretty amazing to watch. Um, and it's everything from uh, ensuring that life-saving medicines will continue to be distributed around the world. Because you can imagine supply chains were shutting down. Countries were were isolating, you know, local products because they wanted to make sure they took care of their, their populations first. Yet we have a mission of, of uh, patients all around the world we have to still deliver supply for and so we had to be really creative around making sure we could find alternate channels to get those supplies in or doing logistics or using a lot of ai and and data science to make sure that what we got there we got to the right place at the right time um, and that coupled with making sure employees were safe and so we've been able to use technology to ensure that we could work remotely uh, very effectively for our on-site we call them on-site superheroes people in the labs people in the shop floor that had to be on site keeping them safe and protected doing things like uh, virtualization so that if somebody's on the shop floor building a hip or a knee or a product one of our products they can do it in a way that uh, virtualizes that experience so maybe google glass or something like that, that that you didn't need another supervisor there but they were instructed on how to make sure that product met quality standards etc so our credo really drove our approach you take care of patients and healthcare professionals we ensure safety of our employees we give back to the communities we serve and if we do those things well we, we make sure that you know shareholders get a fair return so that really, really led stakeholders right stakeholder capitalism this move towards really serving all of you know sort of the community your employees as well as your shareholders Yes, and if we take care of the top three, the, the, the shareholders uh, gets a fair return. And even our analyst call this morning, we had you know a very good uh, set of results that we could share uh, with shareholders. But but it really goes back to the core of what we do and technology and acceleration. You, you asked about culture. What was a beautiful to see was how a company could come together against common goals and common outcomes, i.e. getting extra products or getting to the patients that need it or ensuring employees were safe. Everybody was gravitated towards that. Technology played a significant role in both of those missions coupled with all of our employees in doing what they do every day. And then, you know, we always do a shout out to our healthcare professionals, our nurses and supporting them because they're on the front lines. And um, that mission really drove a lot of adoption acceleration and it's already embedded in our culture, but the acceleration was amazing to watch. So do you see, is, is the new pace, is the this accelerated pace sustainable long-term or do you think post pandemic you know, organizations will have to kind of say, okay, great. We were obviously, I think you talked about, we, we, we came together around a common goal, a, you know, a singular cause, right? Like the pandemic. Um, but, you know, again, we're, we're all moving so much faster. Do you think organizations now, this is the new pace that they'll operate at? Or, or do you see a resetting, uh, you know, coming out of the pandemic, you know, taking the learnings, trying to adopt as many as possible, but you know, I, I'm seeing it's, it's going to be hard to move as fast as we've all been moving for the past year. Yeah, I think we're all learning that we have to make sure we have to create the right balance, you know, personal balance, work-life balance, et cetera. And, and your days never seem to end some days because you're always connected. So I think we're all learning how to operate more effectively in that world. But, you know, to quote one of our, 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 
our, our, one of our main companies is, is named Dr. Paul Janssen. His quote was, our patients are waiting. And so this, this need, this urgency to deliver for our patients, for healthcare professionals really drives us in the core. And that's not new because of the pandemic, that's always been there. And so we have that mission that really, it, it, it accelerates us. Our culture has opened up into how we can work differently, both uh, distributed, hybrid, how we can take better advantage of a geographic uh, footprint that we, we, we have in the world and really leverage that insight. And even as the pandemic was, was occurring, you know, when it first hit China, we were learning how to deal with in China, but then as it moved to the rest of the world, we learned from each experience. And as countries came back online, we learned again. And so we're constantly in this learning mode. We're constantly prioritizing where we can have the biggest need and meet and, and met, and we're getting aligned as an organization around that. Do I think acceleration will continue? Yes. Do I think we have to manage pace? Yes. Uh, but the mission that we have hasn't changed. And we've learned a lot through this pandemic, as bad as the pandemic is, around what's possible, doing unimaginable things, now imagining them and really being effective at it. I think that's exciting. And technology continues to play a really super uh, important role in all aspects of our business. Right. So you, you mentioned a couple of things there. Uh, you know, one is sort of this this connectivity of employees, patients, physicians. Uh, I know we've all seen the explosion of telehealth and ways of you know communication, like you know, like the use of of Zoom. I think uh, you know David uh, mentioned earlier during the pandemic that it was his first telehealth visit as well as his physician's first telehealth visit. Uh, and in many cases, there was early resistance maybe to telehealth and maybe we're getting used to it. You know, how are you seeing, again, the willingness now from the physician side of, of what you guys do and interaction, the patients and, and the pull demand and how they're trying to embrace technology? Do you think, again, some of those behaviors will, will radically change now moving forward, but they needed this catalyst of the pandemic to kind of really, really get them to understand you know, how to use telehealth and how to use these various technologies? So your, your point spot on, Josh, this was here before the pandemic. And I think there was a fair bit of reservation, but there was evolutions happening around how do we use more telehealth and telemedicine, whether you're in an ER, ER setting. When I was living in St. Louis, one of the great hospitals was really using telehealth to support local communities with a a surgeon or physician at a center, but then nurse practitioners that can help more locally. So it was there before, but what we've seen is this tremendous acceleration. And we saw some really big value adds. You know, we'll spend a lot of time with physicians, let's say on education around some products or surgeries. Well, before they'd have to leave the office, they might have to go to a, a central space with other uh, um, physicians, now we could do that electronically and they get more time back and they're actually in a broader audience than where they were before. So we see, we've seen a big, big uptake there. You know, we might've been able to train a thousand or 2000, let's say surgeons, and now we can do 20,000 all at one go. And so there's a lot of plus there. I think as patients have been somewhat restricted from when they can see their physicians because of fear of COVID, it, it really forced more of this telehealth. And it's allowed for, I think, an intimate session with the physician and the patient, it doesn't replace completely an in-person visit. You still need those. But maybe now this is more effective because you can do more sequences of touching with your physician. Uh, quickly, low touch, uh, you have a you know, telehealth session. And then when you need to come in, you can come in and it's more a, a prescriptive or more effective um, uh, interaction. So I think you're seeing a shift. And even when we look at different countries around the world, uh, places like Latin America that have have always had this human relationship. It's part of their DNA as a culture, I think. 
has um, said these telehealth sessions and and telemedicine have been very effective. We still want to see our patients or our, our sales reps, et cetera, but now it's more meaningful dialogues. So I think we are going to continue to see an evolution. And we've been working on some platforms like Vision Care that allows you to connect optometrists and, pa and patients with medical information that you think about all of our Zoom sessions, when's the last time you went to the eye doctor? And it's your eyes are so precious. So if we can increase that interaction with the optometrist as an example and help eye, eye health and eye care in a session when people really need it, amazing health outcomes. So I think it's really starting to reimagine how we think about it, it doesn't replace the in-person visits, but I think it really enhances it. And I think we'll actually be able to over time deliver better quality of care. So it leads obviously to the next question. I mean, the, the idea of this event, Health and Wealth of America, is to really explore some of the inequalities, the inequities that exist in society. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot historically about the digital divide. So a lot of these technologies obviously rely on connectivity, comfort with technology. Uh, you know, how do you think about the, the you know, as we, we think about healthcare and healthcare equity and extending healthcare into these various communities that may not have, uh, you know, again, either from a technology standpoint, access, resources, financials, you know, just talk about as, as J&J thinks about how do you deliver quality and affordable healthcare into some of these more vulnerable communities? You know, what, what have you guys been doing? How does technology help you address that? That's a great question, Josh. And we, we do believe, you know, technology for good or technology for a purpose. As J&J &J is the world's largest and most, most broadly based healthcare company, we understand this need of patients and applying technology to answer questions to advance human health. And we continue to leverage our science and innovation. And it's also anchored in our credo values, which I already mentioned previously, how, how core that is to the communities in which we live, we work, and we serve. A great example is our commitment for Race for Health Equity. And J&J is taking a broad commitment here. I'll give you some of the technology components of that. So the company will strengthen our community health by providing technology enhancements and mobile health solutions that put health within the reach of underserved and minority populations through partnerships with community-based clinics, as well as federally qualified health centers. Second, we're undertaking a major initiative to increase access and participation in clinical trials in diverse populations. Because you can imagine if your clinical trial doesn't have a diverse subset, of your population, then the medicines aren't gonna represent the population you're trying to serve. So using technology to ensure that diversity. Third, partnering with groups like the Executive Leadership Council to provide college scholarships and other resources to black students who have a passion for STEM, business or healthcare related fields. So at a, at a macro level, a number of commitments around health equity, but then if I even go down to a product level, I'll just give you a few examples there as well. And this is global. So in the case of our consumer health business in Brazil, we're launching a digital platform that connects small retailers to large distribution partners. This will extend the reach of our products to customers of limited economic means with at times delivering within 72 hours. And, and they will also get preferential access. In places like India, our Healthy Star for All Babies initiative disseminates science behind pediatric skincare practices and products via healthcare professional digital touch points. And even close to home in New Jersey, we produced a New Jersey maternal mortality dashboard, which is a novel interactive tool bringing together multiple sources of public data for a more complete picture of complex problems with mortality. And data can then be used for evidence-based public health and policy interventions to improve maternal health 
both in, in underserved communities and in broad populations. And last, I'll just mention the vaccination monitoring platform, helping physicians not only in, in mature countries, but in, in developing countries track who's getting vaccinated, how do we help them with advice, think about SMS text messaging to give information and insight. And this is thinking, again, broadly vaccination, right? We're not, we happen to be in a, a very specific case right now, but you're yeah. thinking, you know, this is ongoing. So you think about the underserved world, and we did this with Ebola, actually, and you know, that was in Africa and other places. And and even when in my old industry, when I was in agriculture, you know, serving small agriholders in India, um, they'd have, at least have a cell phone or a smartphone or SMS phone you get sent text messages to. So finding ways to communicate at the at the, the base of technology they're leveraging to give them insights or information around their health, around options, around treatment, around getting access to products and services. You know, this, this is a, um, a an opportunity for all to lean in. And I think J&J is making some really specific commitments to health equality uh, in the U.S. and around the world that we really are committed to. And technology, I think, plays a, a really substantial role to enable it. Yeah. So... When you think about again, you know, we, as I mentioned, we ended the last session with Eric Topol talking about data and AI. Uh, obviously, you guys are generating tons of data across your various businesses, and building, you're using AI and, and machine learning to build models and do a better job. You know, where are you seeing the largest impact of, you know, technologies like AI? Because obviously, I mentioned earlier, you have your consumer business, your medical device business, your your pharma business, you know, are you applying technologies like that equally across, or are you seeing one of those areas where you're you're gaining more benefit from the large amounts of data that you're able to model? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's making its way across the whole company. If I think about a digital surgery, how do you apply AI and ML to help guide a surgeon with the right procedure? based on thousands of procedures that were similar. And so you can really help to improve outcomes by applying robotics and AI to that, to that for the for, uh, improving outcomes. If I think about the pharmaceutical space, you know, we did digital twinning to be able to scale up our manufacturing of the vaccine. We've, we've looked at AI to make sure we got diverse populations of our clinical studies. And so making sure that repre representative of the, of the world that we're trying to support and enable. When we think about consumer health, you know, one great example is our skincare, skin health app, where you get in your iPhone, you get an immediate image of you taking a picture and then it could give you immediate feedback on your skin care and what, what's the best treatment for you. And then you can actually link it to services, products or capabilities. So we're seeing it take off in all aspects of our business, making sure the data is effective, making sure our AI is actually informative of, of the needs. We, we look heavily at, at uh, making sure we don't have data bias and other things to make sure that we have an effective solution. Uh, but it really is a, an enabler, a, a capability. It doesn't replace uh, humans and, and, and care, but it's a great enabler that we can couple it with great science, great data, great mission to really improve the lives of, of every patient we're serving and help our healthcare professionals better serve their patients. So tremendous opportunity. And I think it's, um, I, I, as long as companies are working on it, I think we're just beginning still. I think there's so much opportunity ahead. And uh, the COVID experience, as bad as it's been, has really opened the aperture a bit around what's possible and how do we now accelerate through that. And do you see, you know, it's, it's funny, I think years ago there was a joke where it said, well, so data security is now a boardroom conversation, right? Now you realize technology, you know, writ large is now a boardroom conversation. That technologists like yourself are now, you know, have a seat at the table helping formulate 
you know, the, the business going forward rather than just being reactive to the business demands? I mean, do you start to see the technology is just more intertwined into every business decision? Yeah, what's really been great to see over the last year and a half to two years is really seeing this integration of business and technology strategy coming together all for the same outcome, which is caring for patients. And, and that's an amazing thing to see. And even as recently as last week, I was with our executive committee, myself and our HR partners, really talking about how do we build a digital acumen of the whole company, 135,000 employees. They don't need to be writing Python or R or machine language code or writing IoT or APIs. But if they understand their deep domain expertise, you know, medicinal chemist, a biologist, a consumer advocate, a, a digital surgeon, and applying those technologies, we can actually accelerate improve outcomes. And so by raising the tide for all and making this something we embrace, it's an and strategy, not an or strategy, we can actually accelerate our mission of transforming the trajectory of human health around the world. And I think there's a tremendous opportunity for us in all the aspects of using technology for good. Great. Well, I think that's a, that's a great place to, to end that we could really talk about, again, technology for good. How do we apply it across all industries, specifically healthcare. Uh, Jim, you know, we, we appreciate obviously your support of, of Techonomy and Health and Wealth of America. We appreciate everything that Johnson & Johnson is, is doing during these difficult times. Uh, and thank you again for, uh, for joining us today. Great, thanks Josh. Always, always great to talk with you, great yeah. questions. Thank Have you. Have a good day, take care. Okay.